0: From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium, and we are coming to you from the Great White North. Uh, Tim, Albert, and I are all nestled in our cozy little studio. Outside, the snow is blowing, and the temperature is, well... It's so cold at this point, it doesn't even matter if it's Celsius or Fahrenheit. It's a great night to be inside listening to the radio. Not sure if you saw it on my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, but last week, after our remote viewing experiment with Dr. Douglas Cottrell, he sent me a picture of the object I attempted to remote view. You may recall I said I saw an orange colored object the size and shape of a donut. Uh, But the first thing I saw was black. But I said, I'm seeing black, but I don't think it's black. Anyway, the object turned out to be an orange or reddish-orange travel clock with a white face and black hands. And it is indeed about the size and shape of a donut. And uh, the object, Melanie, our listener, uh, remote-viewed a quartz paperweight in the shape of a donkey. That's also up on the Twitter feed. And uh, Melanie won a pair of tickets to Follow the Truth in April for her trouble. Uh, just a reminder, it's time to think about ordering your passes for my Follow the Truth conference happening Sunday, April 26th at the Region Theater in Oshawa. And for a complete list of speakers, visit www.followthetruth.tv. And stay tuned at the bottom of the hour for your chance to win a pair of passes. I'll be asking you a skill-tested question, and then you'll call Tim here in studio. And if you're the seventh caller with the correct answer, you've won a pair of tickets to Follow the Truth. Stay tuned for that. Here's the plan for the next 45 minutes. I've been thinking about these rampaging radical Islamists in Iraq and Syria, ISIL, uh, and they reportedly beheaded another hostage, a Japanese journalist, and they were also holding a Jordanian pilot. Uh, they burned him alive. Uh, now, regardless of who is really behind ISIL and who is funding them, and we've talked about that on this show, regardless, these people are psychopaths. Uh, but psychopaths aren't just terrorists and serial killers. They're everywhere. And I've come to believe that psychopaths rule this planet. Uh, the game, uh, in fact, seems to be rigged in their favor. The system rewards psychopaths. So attention must be paid. Thomas Sheridan studies psychopaths. He's an independent alternative artist, author, satirist, musician, stand-up comic, filmmaker, and researcher, currently based in Ireland. His illustrations have appeared on the cover of numerous newsstand magazines, and he is the author of The Anvil of the Psyche and Puzzling People, The Labyrinth of the Psychopath. Thomas Sheridan, how are you? Welcome to The Conspiracy Show.
1: I'm great, Richard. Very nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh I got to ask you uh a great website here by the way uh, thomassheridanarts.com and uh um kind of a little dedication to the uh the horrible events in Paris uh last month uh Charlie Hebdo they who come after the comics and the satirists are the most dangerous psychopaths and crazies on earth it says and uh, there is an old adage that's once they start burning books next they will burn people is very true uh, so very appropriate uh, that we're talking to you, not only because of, uh, you know, what's going on uh, in, uh, in terms of uh, terrorism. And if uh, you, you look everywhere, uh, there are psychopaths. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, uh, uh, the Red Scare and MacArthur, uh, um, or Senator McCarthy, rather. There's a, there's a psychopath under every bed. Uh, I mean, comment on that, if you will. I mean, how prevalent are psychopaths in society?
1: Well the numbers are still very small in regular society I'm talking about pure psychopaths now ones who are who are born that way and have a very different brain functioning than the rest of us it's probably around 1% if you go to the power structures up towards the top in business politics mass media you'd be talking 5 four or five percent maybe as high as six percent in certain things like banking and things like that but the thing is that unfortunately even though those numbers are small because there's a higher percentage of them within the controlled structure within the power system they have essentially infected is the term that i use the the sort of like the the the, the nature of mankind and the reality of our world and created this what i call the the the, the psychopathic control grid, which is sem- essentially a world created in their image that gives them, uh, you know, it gives them an easier right to the top because ruthlessness and lack of compassion, viciousness, are seen as valuable attributes in terms of uh, getting to the top. And it also makes the rest of us who are decent people, who have compassion, who would never stab, you know, others in the back ruthlessly as a matter of fun even that's many of them not even function on that level we would never do it so that guarantees that we never move up the control structure so although the numbers of psychopaths in the world and in positions of power is not particularly high unfortunately they have created a nightmare in which the ones of us who are not like that are trying to exist.
0: So they may only be 1%, but they tend to rise to the very top, as you say, so they can do the most damage. Do you differentiate between, let's say, a serial killer, like a Charlie Manson, or members of his family, for example, or a son of Sam? Do you differentiate between... These types of individuals that prey, that are part of the criminal element, that prey on people, as opposed to, let's say, the psychopath who's walking around on Wall Street in an Armani suit, uh, while not murdering people, is, is, uh, as you say, you know, uh, stepping on people, all over people, on his way to the top.
1: No, I don't differentiate. Other than I probably would feel safer with the latter if I was immediately next to them, but the reality is psychopaths don't normally kill because it they don't want to get caught. Not because they have, you know, moral or decency breaks. They don't. They just don't want to get caught. Now that movie, American Psycho or Christian Bale, it yes. was a, a very, very, very accurate portrayal of a psychopath in business. Very, very accurate. The whole lack of personality structure. You know, the scene where he's talking about the music he likes. He he, ta- he doesn't talk about someone who has a passion for music. No. He talks about it as if he's read he read reviews in a music magazine.
0: They're actors. That's, They're actors.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Well, there's no there's no internal personality structure. That's why you know even the first major book on it, the uh, the Mask of Sanity by Hervey Collectly be he pointed out that there was no person the internal structure you're basically dealing with a nothing a, a hollow vacuum that has on top of it a, a persona and the persona is the social mask it uses to pray but there's no difference really because when I when I was working on Wall Street I used to be a graphic designer for many years well not for many I' would say about seven about seven or eight years on Wall Street uh, and and working in communications I dealt with Closely with people that were very much like that, and it was only through reading books on serial killers, in particular, books that profiled the likes of uh, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, and Ted Bundy, that I came to realise, and sorry, also bit, you know famous vicious gangsters, that I came to realise that these guys were exactly the same. In fact, there was very little on non-violent psychopaths at that time. It wasn't until about round you know later towards 2000 and stuff like that that uh, Robert Hare's Without Conscience came out. But before, that was nothing, really. And uh, no, I don't differentiate. They're, they should be seen as dangerous uh, in different ways. But there's, if they could kill you and get away with it, the ones that don't kill you and get away with it would just do it, and they wouldn't care. It's only the fear of being caught and the consequences of going to prison that stops them.
0: Uh, so would, would we be able to say then, I mean, this is uh, speculation, but would would we be able to say that someone like a Berkowitz uh had he not resorted to murder you put that same individual uh on Wall Street or let's say in Washington you know uh, in the, in a the power structure uh or the system the inside the beltway
1: yeah
0: uh and 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 if he had a, a sort of a motivation in, in in politics that he would have succeeded in those arenas
1: oh absolutely he would have no doubt about it Look at the the Bush, uh, you know, cabinet from when he was in power in the early 2000s, and you look how some of those people like Cheney and the rest of them, uh, Wolfowitz behaved and talked. It, they, they were unapologetic in there, and they still are. And even Tony Blair in there their nature and what they did, you know, they're still boasting about how, you know, things like waterboarding and torture is a great thing. There was this powerful kind of sadomasochistic S&M element to that particular Bush cabinet. Even uh, Gore Vidal pointed that out in one of his later books. And it's true. And that that's, they, they were turned on by the violence of being unrestricted and doing what the hell they wanted And yes, I I don't think there's a difference. Now, Berkowitz is an interesting case. We could go, you know, into older places in that particular case. I believe that Berkowitz was also heavily involved in a cult. And the cult, ultimate, all these cults ultimately go back to the intelligence services, and they're used for social engineering and other kind of purposes. But yeah, there's no difference. You were to put him in that suit, stick him inside any major government or you know boardroom of any top corporation in the world, and he would not be seen as deranged or insane, or even odd compared to many of the people in the room that were, where they're calling the shots.
0: Thomas Sheridan is here. We are talking about psychopaths. Uh, he, the author of "Puzzling People: The Labyrinth." of the psychopath. Thomas, when we come back, I want you to differentiate between a sociopath and a psychopath, and then we'll talk about, uh, you know, where else in society we might encounter psychopaths, and also what are some of the more uh, recognizable traits, so that uh, we can all spot a psychopath and get the hell out of the way, if need be. Back with more of my conversation with Thomas Sheridan, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're back with Thomas Sheridan and uh, the website thomassheridanarts.com. Alright, uh, definition. Uh, what's the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath?
1: There really isn't any. It's semantics. There's, it's an interesting history about how the two terms came about. Originally, the, uh, the term commonly used was psychopath. That had been around in the context we're using it today, from about the 1900 on. Uh, earlier were, temp, terms were things such as "moral imbecile" and you know, you know, it, that kind of thing. Now, then, then what happened was and when Alfred Hitchcock made the movie Psycho, he the, the, he really not portray a psychopath with uh, norman bates norman bates was really psychotic you see a psychopath is not psychotic they know exactly what they're doing they're not you know they don't suffer from a disease that makes them do it they, they know exactly what they're doing so he kind of ruined the term psychopath when he made that film and then clinical psychologists and other criminal psychologists started to use the term sociopath but if you look at the the, the two terms they're There's, you know, term for term or, you know, trait and marker for marker down the list. They're all the same. And so it was just, they're just interchangeable terms. Later on, it's funny, when I started uh, making videos about this back in 2008, and I I wrote Puzzling People around 2009, 2010, I was using the term psychopath at a time no one else was, really. And then the term psychopath seems to have come back into popular usage again, which is a good thing because I think it's a much more kind of frightening term when you hear the term psychopath compared to sociopath. Sociopath has been kind of joked down. You'll hear like people are not sociopaths. Saying stupidly, oh, I know, I'm such a sociopath, that kind of thing. But uh, there's really no difference. It's really just semantics and uh, trends within clinical psychology. That, But they're basically the
0: same thing. Well, what are some of the more recognizable uh, traits of a, of a psychopath? You've sort of hinted, you know, there is no inner personality. Yeah. Uh, there's no sort of moral compass. But uh, continue on with the list.
1: Well, let me explain that. Let me explain the, the no personality one more closely they'll have no they'll have personas when they move from relationship to relationship they they, they have generally have short-term relationships they would never have a marriage or a, anything like that it would last a very long time or be in the same job or the same career or the same interest for a long time they'll move very 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 quickly from one thing to the next and uh they will invent a new persona so one year they could be a hippie uh you know, into kind of new age things and stuff like that, and then they get sick of the person they're living with, and they they target a new person, and then they, that new person might be I don't know a white nationalist or something, and they'll completely switch the whole other direction and become like a pretend that they're not a white national racist or something like that to impress that person or no, it's just it's just it's almost comical when you do see how they switch and how they change personas but that's a common one they're just targeting it's it's like a, it's like a predator changing its it's you know it's camouflage in the wild in order to hunt more effectively that's the way it should be seen right right yeah that's that lack of compassion is another one they they, they it's, when they do tend to ha- to, like if they want, if they're trying to show compassion, they will often o- o- overdo it. They will, uh, they will put on a show at a funeral, screaming, howling, and, and that kind of thing. Very, uh, very, just trying to get attention to, to prove how compassionate they are. But they don't, wouldn't have genuine compassion if they, if they saw someone they didn't know or had no use for drop dead in the street, they would just step over them like they didn't exist. In a very cold way, like they wouldn't care, and um, they would actually be sh- surprised and shocked why other people are are bending down to help this person who had a heart attack in the street. Th- they wouldn't get that. They wouldn't understand why people were were helping this person. It's just to them, it's just be you know, you know, tough. Uh, who cares? That would be one. They, they, there's 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 various traits, and we, we can't go around, uh, you know, constantly. Uh, looking for people and thinking he's a psychopath or she's a psychopath. Because nine, nine times, 99 times out of 100, we're dealing with a regular jerk, you know. But, yeah, another one to look for would be uh, they don't really have a past. That's a very interesting one I, that always comes up and over and over again. They don't have a, a past.
0: Hmm. How could that such. be? How could that be?
1: because there's, they never existed to begin with. It's the strangest thing. In my second book, Defeat the Demons, I write up about a, a, a very good survey that was done in... in, in in prisons in Canada of, of killers who are serving life sentences and hardcore criminals like serial rapists and they were the ones who were psychopathic were identified and moved away from the others and they would they would have questionnaires and they would say things to them like uh, okay such and such you're you're in here for for being a rapist and the, the psychopath would say oh I'm not a rapist what do you mean not a rapist you were found guilty of raping ten women oh I was a rapist then, but I'm not a rapist now, implying that this the previous personality, they have a very strange understanding of time in the brain, and they do not think that the present version of them now is responsible for their crimes in the past, because they're not doing it anymore. Therefore, you can have a politician, a psychopathic politician, who can declare an illegal war right. which leads to the death of a million politicians, and then nowadays can be a run an interfaith foundation for peace and cooperation, would not a hint of irony of, of how absurd they I think are. we know who
0: you're talking about.
1: <laughs> I think we all do. Yes. And that, you, we notice that that's a trait you notice a lot with politicians. When they get caught, they suddenly convert to Christianity and things like that. I mean, very common what we see that.
0: But when you that, say uh, they, they have no past, you, I mean, there is a paper trail. There are documents. You're saying they simply they have no concept of a past.
1: Yeah, they live like animals. It's in the moment. Yeah, right. it's very strange. But but you you'll notice this because you'll find things in their. Pa- you, you, you say like I said, there's a paper trail, right? You might meet one, and uh, you know you might marry one. You know, that, and that's, and that's for, and let's not forget they're all true society, not just at the top. And uh, I don't know, something goes wrong. He after a few months, he cleans out your bank account, and you know he, he, he's gone, and he's told you before you married him. Uh, well i did I did twenty years in the Army, and uh, when I left the services uh, I collected an early pension I was you know and then I, I I came back to work I opened this business whatever and then the person might start looking into the past and looking through that paper trail and find out that he had three or four or five marriages that he never told her about you know that kind of a thing right right and had spent time in prison, but he 'll be so convincing. Of his backstory, they're tremendous uh, liars and deceivers, and uh, this is why they make tr- fantastic cult leaders. Because what happens is, most, all cult leaders are all psychopaths. Because what they do is, they they find the insecurities. This is one. This is one to watch out for. They will find the missing ghosts in your soul. If you had no father when you were growing up, they will become father figure if you had no mother when you're growing up they will become or they will, they will give you a mother figure if you were any kind of trauma loss or a, a an inability to fit in in your life they will fill in all these ghosts in your soul in that in order to win your trust and hold you and pin you down
0: are they uh, then, are, are, there, are they are they above average intelligence
1: and no most of them are actually quite stupid what they are is devious See, we have, to, the, we have to understand there's a huge difference between intelligence, wisdom, and deviousness. Deviousness is just the ability to learn what you need to target an individual. But that's not born out of the need for knowledge or a quest of information and intelligence. It's just purely a pathological drive to to use another person. It's, it's pure deviousness, and not in any way are they intelligent. In fact, they, they, when you get to spend time at one of them, you find out often how absurdly ridiculous many of them are.
0: And yet, uh, they, they, they rise to the top. That old adage of nice guys finishing last is true because the game, the world, seems to be rigged in their favor. How did that happen?
1: Well, this brings us to the most common, the most, the most powerful trait of all, and this is one we should watch out for in our lives, with not only the ones at the top, but one who maybe wanted to try and get into our lives, start a business with us or anything like that, or have a relationship. They, they indulge in something that's called gaslighting. Now, what gaslighting is, it's, it's literally when a psychopath take control, takes control of you, takes control of your company, takes control of your country, and then changes reality. It changes reality in the terms of it will give you conflicting information uh, and contradictory uh, information that causes a type of dissociation in your own brain where you don't know if black is white or white is black, if up is down, down is up, left is right, right is left, and eventually you give up and in order to try and get any kind of normality and stability, you acquiesce to the, the to the, the demands and the gaslighting of the the psychopath. Sounds like par- some,
0: sounds like sounds yeah. like something right out of uh, a Go- Goebbels' uh, propaganda playbook.
1: Oh yeah, well, double and also George Orwell's 1984. Double speak is a classic example of of, of gaslighting. It's it's a, it's, a, it's an all clinical. Uh, psychology, psychology term that comes from that's based on a movie called Gaslighting which is t- tells the story of a woman who's actually targeted by a psychopath and he turns down the gaslighting and tells her the room is just as bright as it was before even though she's in near darkness and she believes it because she thinks she's going crazy and yet, g- yes, Goebbels was the master of that and, you know, and also George Orwell warned us about it in 1984 because doublespeak was a classic example of that the the delivery of two completely contradictory ideas into your brain at the same time, you just don't know what to do. So you just say, look, tell me what to believe in and I'll do it.
0: Cognitive dissonance.
1: Yeah, well, well, it creates cognitive dissonance in yourself, really. Yeah. Really does it in yourself, yeah.
0: Thomas Sheridan is uh, with us uh, on The Conspiracy Show. The website, again, uh, thomasheridanarts.com. He wears uh, many hats. He's an artist, painter, uh, um, an author, a blogger, and um, uh has made a number of uh videos pertaining to our topic tonight, which is uh psychopaths. Um, now how did you uh you, you mentioned that you worked on Wall Street for six or seven years. Was this how you first encountered a psychopath and then became sort of fascinated by it and started to study it or, or where did that happen for you?
1: Well, uh, as a little boy in Ireland, I was growing up when the Troubles here, what they called the Troubles here, were going on in Northern Ireland, even though I grew up in Southern Ireland. There was uh, a bomb, a car bomb exploded nearby when I was 10 years old, and it killed a load of people. And uh, it it just was, uh, I just couldn't understand what would drive somebody to do that. I just couldn't get it into my head, you know, like in a kind of a naive, childlike way, how someone could put a car bomb on the street uh, and blow people, innocent people up. And uh, I think that was probably a kind of a moment in my life where I stepped into consciousness, where, you know, it's sort of like suddenly I was aware that the world was a very different and a very bigger place than what a child might experience otherwise in the normal circumstances. And so it was probably just from that wanting to know why people did things like that, why wars existed, why, you know, those kinds of things went on, and uh, I just didn't understand how, if the world was run by the most intelligent and the most uh, clever and the most, you know, democratic people, as they constantly told us, well, why was the world such an absolute, you you know, insane asylum? And I, there was things along the way, you know, even before I started reading books on serial killers that gave me clues. I, uh, one film was The One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Ah, yes. And I remember thinking that Nurse Ratched, that she ran that uh, that, that ward.
0: All I, I want to do much. is watch the damn world series. <laughs> yeah. Listen,
1: yeah, i got to take a time out here.
0: Let me take a time out, Thomas. We'll come back and we'll continue to discuss uh, psychopaths right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We'll get back to my conversation with artist, author, researcher, filmmaker, Thomas Sheridan about psychopaths in a minute. Follow the Truth too. My second live event is coming to Oshawa and the Region Theater, Sunday, April the 26th. It's an evening event. Great speakers. Again, visit www.followthetruth.tv for details. Or call the box office to order your tickets, 905-721-3399. We're back with uh, Thomas Sheridan and uh, the website again, thomassheridanarts.com. And uh, we are talking about uh, psychopaths. You were talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest just before the break and, and Nurse Ratchet, uh, uh, And, of course, the, the great uh, portrayal of, um, was it, Randall McMurphy by uh, Jack Nicholson. And, um, yeah, I, she certainly seems to fit the the mold of a psychopath, someone who enjoyed the suffering of others, uh, yep. who reveled in her authority and her power. Um, where where else? else? Yes, yes. Where else do we typically find uh, psychopaths thriving? In what situations?
1: Well, the uni- uh, University College London, about two years ago, when, the, when backed on a research uh Te- survey and they tested people in different professions for psychopathic traits and they isolate the psychopaths within the different professions and they came up with an actual checklist people can go to my youtube channel thomas sheridan art and there's a video there where i talked down the list and uh not surprisingly there was there was like things like politicians and lawyers and i don't mean to that, say all lawyers are and at the very top of it, but other ones there that came out were quite surprising. Was surgeons? Surgeons often scored very high at the psychopathic level. Really? People and oh yeah, because the the well the the, the, the rationale they gave behind it was they would be psychopaths. You now the ones who are capable of being educated or, are bluffing their way through educated, Would be drawn to something like that. It's a high glamour job. It you know pays a lot of money. It's a it's a risk taking kind of Power trip, and it also, in some levels, if you're operating on somebody, like somebody's wife or daughter or children or husband, uh, and you, you know, you, you kind of have to detach yourself from the fact that this is a human being. Uh, it's, it, you have to like literally you see it as an object while it's on the operating table. And so psychopaths are very good at that because they don't see any, anyone as having any real value other than an, an object. And so they would they would be drawn to that, and also it pays very well. It's a gla- it's a glamorous kind of job, it, you know. It attracts women, power, and sports cars, and that kind of thing. So that's that scored right up there. And uh, journalist, uh, mainstream journalist, was very very high. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, but when you look at uh, what propaganda we have in the mainstream media, is that is it really such a surprise, you know? But they they were very very much up there on the list. Also, as was a. Uh, religious par- like a, a a religious person on a kind of a, a special mani- messianic crest so like someone who probably runs a mega church and has 10,000 people is raking a ton of money and they all love him or like a TV preacher and 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 and, a, and a, you know a new age cult leader who runs a, a comet debt cult who says you have to do what i do or the end of the world is coming soon and they you know and you must follow my word and my books and the message that i give you from the space Others, and they live. You know, you can always tell those types because they don't live in a small apartment somewhere. Right. They right. live in a, a large mansion. You know, a, you know, a large, you know, palatial home in the countryside, surrounded by an army of enablers, because they're scooping up large amount of, m- m- of money from sure. their, gullible, yeah, they, their gullible followers. We have and to. Was uh, very high too.
0: This was a, a short segment. We've got to take another time out. We come back. We'll uh, we'll um, continue on. And um, I, I want to find out. You know, where where do they come from? These psychopaths. How a psychopath made or is there some other otherworldly explanation perhaps more of my conversation with thomas sheridan right here on the conspiracy show stay with us anyone can create a podcast on the web in fact there are millions of them online but if you want quality internet talk radio just remember this address talkzone.com TalkZone is Internet talk radio for planet Earth with talented hosts, great guests, and good conversation. Ready to share your thoughts and ideas with a global audience? Become a TalkZone show host yourself. Learn more at TalkZone.com. Internet talk radio for planet Earth.
1: TalkZone.com.
0: Keeping an eye on the new world order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thomas Sheridan is uh, with us, and again, the website, ThomasSheridanArts.com. If you'd like to see his uh, YouTube videos on our subject, uh, Psychopaths, uh, you know, how you can identify them and so forth, you can go to his YouTube channel and give us that again, Thomas.
1: My YouTube channel is Thomas Sheridan Arts.
0: All right. I want to find out, you know, what makes a psychopath? Uh, are, are they are they born this way? Is there a? I mean, you've differentiated them, uh, you know, from let's say uh, someone who is psychotic, uh, um, you know, someone who may have some underlying, you know, mental condition. Uh, so, how is a psychopath made? Where do they come from?
1: Yeah, the, the, a pure psychopath is born that way. They're like that from the moment they came out of their mother's womb. They their parents will often notice as young children that they were cold and different and uh, they're very manipulative not only of other children but also as of adults. They become sexually active very, very early because they realize that sexuality is something that they can uh, use to to get what they want in life, or to blackmail people. Like for a young female psychopath, she'd start having sex at very early ages, often with older men, and then say things like, "If you don't give me a thousand dollars, I'm going to go to the police and say you molested me." This kind of thing. This is like the, this will happen very, very early on. They will have uh, they'll be the kind of kid that gave everyone the creeps at first, but they become manipulative, and they also would be the ones who would be the ferocious bullies at uh, in high school and things like that. Now. Their brains are very, very different. They have the same brain structure. They, all the, you know, the partitions and the, the, the neural pathways are all identical to what we use and the rest of us. But if you put them under an fMRI machine, which is a brain scan machine, and you you present them with certain triggers, such as things like violent images or think and so on, and violent movies, they'll show no no change in brain activity where a normal person, you know, the frontal cortex of the brain and the limbic regions which is just where things like compassion exist and creativ- creativity too, you'll find that they're dormant in a the psychopath. They're not damaged. They're not broken or anything like that. They simply don't need them. It's a horses-for-courses analogy. They only need the, pa- the lower brain stems of their brains the, you know, the, the primitive part of the reptilian brain. And that's all they're interested in. Everything else is mimicry. So they're very different in how they use their brains. Very, very different. In fact, so different that Dr. Robert Hare of the University of British Columbia, who's the world's foremost expert on psychopaths and has been studying them for nearly a quarter of a century, uh, calls them intraspecies predator and often uses terms like they're aliens and, and so on. And this is you're, not, you're talking about a hardcore academic. Wow, and he talks about them in those terms.
0: Is he being literal when he when he when he uses words like uh, alien?
1: No, I, well, he's using it as an alleg, an you know an allegory. But and at some levels, when I read some of his documents, it, it's almost like you can get the impression that he's biting his lip to holding back what he really wants to say because he's in academia. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I I have I I I just don't know what they are myself. But I know what's in there. Like I interviewed two of them for the book "Defeat the Demons," and one of them I did on Skype, and the other one I did in a restaurant here in Ireland. And I never want to ever be near one of these guys ever again because when I looked into that this this guy's eyes, there was no human. That was not a human being behind there because he was. To, he knew. We were, I was dealing with him on a one-to-one basis. I knew what he was because he admitted to me because he, he he told me about it, and I, I basically bribed him to give me an interview. And uh, I, that was not a human being behind there. What I what I saw behind there w- made me understand why people believe in demons and things like that. Because that was closer to what I was witnessing than a human being.
0: Um, well, uh, I mean, let's let's probe that area a little bit. I mean, I don't I don't know uh, if you are a spiritual person, uh, but do you hold that out as a possibility that uh, you know? The Bible tells us supposedly the world is is ruled by by Satan, and here we have perfect examples of you know the the psychopaths that are running this planet. Uh, do you hold that out as, as at least a as a possibility worthy of consideration?
1: Well, let me tell you this, Richard. When I started looking at this, I wasn't a hardcore atheist, but I was I was basically a, an atheist slash agnostic, not closed minded, but I didn't want anything to do with religion or anything or anything like that. After, in the, in, after say six years of intensive study into this, and also my other work into the, uh, into serial killers, and also my work into the occult aspects of national socialism, and how that was used to, 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 to control the entire nation, I'm, I'm no longer like that. I actually do believe that there are other forms and other entities that do exist in that crack between day and night that our ancestors called the jinn in the Islamic world or the div, right. that they called the, you know, the the, 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 in the in the other traditions, that they called the in the Celtic tradition, the fairies were actually often described in that way and what most of our ancestors called demons or demonically, you know, possessed individuals. I'm now much more inclined to believe that something like that is a very real possibility because things have happened to me that look dealing with this subject that were definitely outside the bounds of what we would call, you know, rationality. Could you share um, one of those with me? Well, uh, an, ex- an example was a s- psychic attacks. Uh, like there was one, I, like I've suffered tremendous what they call psychic attacks when dealing in this su- this subject. Uh, particularly after my name started to become known it wasn 't that I was like having anxieties over becoming you know well known as a, as an author within this scene I, I, you know it was, wasn 't like anything like that it was like it, it, it was a sense of something some kind of malicious force trying to literally scoop out my life. in fact, one time I was talking to a bunch of friends in an apartment. In England, one afternoon, while I was doing a speaking tour there, and I was talking about this uh, the the idea of the jinn, the, the Islamic idea of this this this, de- this sort of like demonic other race that lives outside our perception, that infects uh, human consciousness and causes them to do you know pathological things. And I was talking about various fairies in the in the Celtic archetype that are similar. And uh, while I was saying this, uh, and something happened um uh, i i felt like i was going to die i felt like that my life was ending right there and then and uh, i had to stand up and grabbed it. the apartment building was an all converted uh, mill, and it had these long metal columns that went from the basement up to the top floor, holding all the different floors of the old factory up. And I had to physically hold onto the column because I, t- I felt like I felt like my life energy was draining out of my shoes, and by holding onto the column, uh, it, it, it actually helped me like gain a sense of magnetism or electricity back in my body that actually I, I was losing rapidly and just by chance one of the people there was a like was a shem, a person that like training in shamanic healing and immediately they said you're being attacked by uh, some kind of non-human entity that has a great hatred of you and these things like this have happened no i've actually say uh, and other things as well like strange synchronicities when i was when i was uh, when i was working on my last book *Valpurgis night about the occult aspects of, of national socialism right i was i usually because i'm an artist i usually start out my books with uh, a sketch now these sketches and doodles help me formulate the how i'll approach a particular topic or chapter and i started to draw this 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 creature it was like a I don't know it was like a gray alien meets the jolly roger skull and crossbones symbol and i suddenly felt again this sense of like my life force was draining out of my shoes again and i had to go lie down for a few hours and i didn't go near my studio for a few days and i was going online and i started to look at the book again and because my book valpurgus night really begins in 1919 in germany a very pivotal year. I typed in the year 1919 German movies because i I think cinema is a great way to explore uh, not contemporary and past history because it really gives us a, kind of an oracle into the human condition. And the first thing that popped up was a poster for a movie called Nerven, which was about the psychic disintegration of Germans in 1919 uh-huh. following the First World War. And that creature, this demon, was on the poster. Oh my! Drawn, and I'd oh never seen before.
0: My. Yeah. I, you know, the movie I thought you were going to mention was Nesferatu, but. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, that that would the vampire is a tremendous allegory for a psychopath. Suck, so, it drains your energy. It sure. plays with your mind, and it can't. You know, it, it it always seems to rise from the dead in a new form to target someone else.
0: How do we How do we fight back, or do we just get out of the way, Thomas?
1: Well, Mike. My maxim has always been no contact ever again. If you, you know, and that's not just a psychopathic person. That could be a very toxic or dangerous person in your life. Just get the hell away from them. Just run. And have nothing to do with them ever, ever again, because there will be no happy ending there. It's not going to work out for you. They're constantly going to prey on you and play on your mind. That's the best thing. But we mentioned one flew over the cuckoo's nest there, and you mentioned Randall McMurphy. Well, they don't, because if there's no internal personality structure and they don't have a soul as such, they're useless at things like humor and satire. They don't, and humor and satire is a great way to get at them, just like Randall McMurphy did in that film. He was the jester. The jester was the only one in court who could mock the king. That's why I also do stand-up comedy and I do satirist satirist stuff because that's a great way of actually defending against it. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that's a great way. And also the other character, the Indian, the Indian, the the chief in that film, he represented the native soul, the native spirit. Uh, Psychopaths are almost non-existent within native cultures because they're spotted at a very, very early age and driven out of the tribe. In Western society, we don't spot them. And that scene within the film... one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where Randall McMurphy exchanges a piece of Juicy Fruit gum with the chief, and the chief goes Juicy Fruit, and he, he realizes then that he, he wasn't uh, like a deaf mute. He was actually deliberately keeping his mouth shut and was smarter than anyone. And that was a, that's a beautiful moment in that movie. It's almost like an alchemical moment where you have the, 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 that stick of gum became like the Philosopher's Stone, and then the two of them then had the power to take down you know, Nurse Ratched's psychopathic empire higher within that ward so yeah there's the two ways of, there's the three ways of dealing with it one get away from them defending your, your, your psyche against them humour satire and laughing at them is a great way and then finally going into our native soul and looking for the, 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 the depths of our culture and see how our and, and, and learn to be more like our ancestors and creativity is a great way to do that exploring yourself artistically once you have that you have a firewall around your consciousness they cannot get into it and more importantly It gives you that space, that sort of like that that parentheses that allows you to think and, and, you know, get around their games and machinations.
0: Thomas, uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. I know it's very early uh, over there in Ireland, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can do it again sometime. Oh, it's a pleasure. Anytime, sir. ThomasSheridanArts.com. And give us the YouTube channel again, Thomas.
1: The YouTube channel is Thomas Sheridan Arts.
0: Thanks again. Thank you. ThomasSheridanArts.com, again, is the website. My website is RichardSerrett.com. That's your portal to the conspiracy show. Say hello on Twitter at RichardSerrett. And as always, follow the truth.